today's reading is taken from the book of First Peter. I'll be reading from chapter 1, verses 13 to 21. And if you would like to follow along, please feel free to do so. It's on page 6 of the bulletin. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for how you care for us to bring us into a new day. Lord, we pray that in this time that we have, that you would be with us to speak to our hearts, for we need it. We're thirsty, O oh Lord. We're hungry, and we want you and you alone to be the satisfaction of our soul. So would you do that through this passage of Scripture today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, Today's passage from 1 Peter chapter 1 is one that, um, you know, I've been mulling over from some time and thinking about over years. But it's one of those passages where, where Peter reminds believers of our salvation, of our hope that we have. It's, it's that passage where he, he brings us into focusing on this grand theology that we have upon the Father. And so we will take the time to look at that today in this new year. So if you will, it's sort of like, a, it is like a new resolution for us each day that we have the gospel. Because it is new every morning for us. You know, and thinking about this past year, though, uh, the other night, Crystal and I were talking and she uh, rode over and, and said, hey, look at this video. And it was a video that someone made about 2006, and they talked about how weird the year was uh, for a lot of people. Of course, we had what we usually have, a lot of deaths of, of some famous people, uh, maybe people in your family as well. We also had some unsettling times throughout the year. Uh, definitely, you know, in your personal lives, it's probably just hard work and some challenges there. So for everyone, we have this turmoil. We have what has been a long year. And so what do we do when we come into 
uh, a new year, when the, when the clock strikes at 12 and it's a new day and we're wishing everyone a happy new year and giving hugs and kisses, what do we do? We do what we always do. We make New Year's resolutions, right? New goals for a new year. Like, I want to go to the gym every other day this year. And so make sure I work out. Or I'm, I'm going to stay away from certain things that I eat. Or sometimes we, we just say, you know, a new beginning. I want to be a new person. I'm doing some things differently. But not necessarily characterize what those things are. And so with all of us, you know, it is that, that new day is a promise of something that can be new for each and every one of us. But what will that be? Will we stick to the plan of what that is in our lives? And so year after year, though, as I said before, we do face troubles that make it difficult for us to live in light of the security that the Father gives. As believers, there's always the world, the flesh, and the devil pushing against us, hindering us from living in light of the gospel of grace. Year after year, we see this in our own lives, how we want to be more holy, how we want to grow into Christ's likeness, but there's always something that interrupts us of this. It's something that we feel, feel deeply and innately, and it is the brokenness of our lives. And so the Father graciously, though, he graciously secures our salvation in Jesus. He does this. He's done this from the foundation of the world. And we see this in verse 18 even. Knowing that you were ransomed, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. So God saves us from the emptiness of life. You know, we, we want to obtain an inheritance through this world, but that's not our inheritance that God gives us. It's not enough to establish a right relationship with the Father, a sustaining one even. We need salvific surety that will outlast and outshine even all that the world has to offer in a new year. What does this world offer, though? The same today as it did when Peter was writing. <clears throat> Sufferings of various kinds, hardships that test our faith, and grieve our hearts from ill treatment of our neighbor to the darkness of our own hearts. We feel it, don't we? Whether self-gratification or vengeance or just deceitfulness of heart and envy, we feel the, the turning, the turmoil. So we need the precious blood of the lamb. As stated in verse 20 here, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Before the blueprint of the world was laid out, the beginning of our new year even, Jesus was there. He was there with the Father. But in the last times or in the last days that we're living in now, he was made manifest for us, the angels and the prophets. They, they looked into this. They longed to see what we have seen and witnessed by faith in Christ. So through Jesus, we are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. We share in that risen lamb's glory. We share in his position at the right hand of the Father. Thanks be to God for that. So Jesus received glory from the Father, and so we receive glory in him. Jesus 
is the same for us today, yesterday, and forevermore. So both now until he returns, we will be in him, but how will we live? How will we live? Do we really believe that we have this surety, this security in Father, in the Father? So if you believe this, you know, you must live in hope. And if you believe this tomorrow, you must live in the holiness that God gives. And if you believe this for the next 365 days, you must live in holy fear. But first, let's look at this hope and how we must live in it. Verse 13 characterizes this. Peter writes, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he begins, therefore, and that for is a link <coughs> between what is written now to what was written in verses 3 through, through 12 about the salvation we have uh, been, that's been revealed from God. In light of this, Peter is saying, gird up your, the loins of your minds. Now, what, what does this mean, this, this, this language, gird up the loins of your minds? That's what it means right there. It, it was a metaphor that meant pull up your robes, tighten, tighten your grip around you, and get ready for action. It was a familiar metaphor in their day and time. We have our own, you know, buckle up. Strap in, it's time. Or get ready uh, in, in racing terms. Runner takes your, take your mark, get set, go. Or if you are a boxer, you, were, you know the, 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 the announcer, Michael Buffer, get ready to rumble. You know then that it is time to be prepared for, for this action. And so along with this, Peter encourages sober-mindedness, which means pay attention. So we have these two things here. We are encouraged to have this type of spiritual alertness, this spiritual readiness to pray, this spiritual alertness to resist the devil, as Peter has written later in the, in the, in the book. So while getting ready to think on God's work and obeying him and keeping a spiritual alertness, hope. Have a very confident and eager expectation towards more grace, more blessing from the Father when Jesus Christ returns. If we have received this grace, this blessing now, how much more will we receive when he returns? We are to expect that and look forward to that, that future grace that he has for us. It shouldn't be a doubt in our minds but we know things come in on us. And so we are encouraged to hope, to keep our hope upon him. We know what it was like this past week on Christmas morning. You know, it, it, it was the expectation of the arrival, not necessarily of the big guy in the, in the red suit, but of the gifts that was under the tree, right? To open them and to see what has been brought to you. For the little kids in my house, they could hardly go to bed. But once they fell asleep, they got up first thing in the morning and headed to the tree to see what has been brought to them. 
you know, a beautiful baby doll or a, a set of drums or whatever that they ask for. Whatever it is that we received a week or so ago, it will not outshine the grace that will be revealed to us. It is not enough to sustain our satisfaction and happiness into eternity. It simply will just fade away. Like my kids, they move from one toy to another. And so I'm like, well, what about that one? That's pretty cool. I'm done with that. So they left it to the side. And so Christ is our eschatological hope, meaning he is our hope for the end times, for when we close our eyes to go to sleep for a long time until the time that he returned. He is that hope. He is that hope for us. He's that confidence. And so we believe that since he was raised to new life, we are able to be raised to new life, never spoiling or fading. So you are encouraged to live in this hope as you suffer in this world. As you go through all kinds of fiery trials, like our brothers and sisters did through this passage here that's been written to them. You are to not necessarily fret over and over about those things that, that seem to move you and, and bother you, those things that irritate you, those things that you said, I'm done with that, enough of that, I'm gonna move forward to a new day. Those things do not have a hold on you because of God's grace. And that is the grace that we ought to continue to hope for. But how will this hope be characterized? And right here from our passage, we see it would be, be characterized through a life of holiness, verses 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We are children of our heavenly Father. Now with this, there is an expectation that we do what? Obey. Obey his fatherly wishes. Obey his fatherly commands. The passions from the old way of life that we moved away from, that he, he's grown us out of, leave those things behind. They, they're like the sound of a refrigerator running in the, back, in the background. Leave those things in the background. Though we may hear them and know that they are there, we must not turn to them at every whim. Peter, Peter highly encourages believers not to pattern their lives after those passions that kill our character in God. Won't kill our souls, but will murder our character. Those passions are, are the marker of this pre-Christian state. The, the state when we didn't know our father, when we, when we didn't know of our savior. Now we can have mastery over them because God has made us holy. So we are to be like him, set apart. Holiness is the family way and not the way of the world. It's not the way of our flesh. And God is the most holy being in the universe. In some respects, he's the only being in the, in the universe who is like our God. Only one worthy to be praised. But he unites himself to us through Christ. So our calling is to the Father. 
Well, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He makes us holy. We don't make ourselves holy. And we tend to want to fool ourselves that we can do this, that we can be better, that we can say things better, that we can work and improve ourselves to have an identity in our accomplishments. But the Father is saying, I have given you all in all and enough to be powerful over your besetting sin. I have given you enough to name your identity as a child of God and to stand on that. Then move out to do things unto my glory. So it is a promise and a command that God has given us. You know, it, it, he's calling us to a command to, to himself, to come to himself and be holy, but it's a calling. So we are set apart in him. Holy unto God every day, in every way. That's what he wants for his children, through every thought, in every action. This command is echoed throughout scripture, and, it, and it's from Leviticus 11, 44, what God says to his people, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves before me and be holy, for I am holy. Only God is, is holy other, only him. For us to live in holiness unto him, we continue in his ways of life, not our own way of life. Remember, he's the author and perfect of our faith, not us. When we live in holiness, guess who we live like? We live like our father. We live like him. We, we care like our father. We show kindness like our father. And we are noticed like our father. And that's when we can give and answer for the hope that we have. It's, it's just what is. And we may not be able to articulate and explain why we believe what we believe, but when we say who we believe in and give the reason in, in terms of how he has reached us and saved us and made us holy, that's our testimony. But it's our testimony for us to remember too, not just to tell, for us to remember in those dark days and nights to hold on to this hope of holiness that we already have and can walk into. And, I, you know, it, it's like this, this, this time of the year, people take these cleanses, right? Uh, one year I took a lemon cleanse. You know, it's like after eating all the junk over the holidays, it's time to cleanse myself, make myself clean. And so I did this lemon cleanse, right? And I, I looked up all the instructions on what to do, and, and I, I went into it. You know, and, and I was like, okay, I'm doing this. First day, no problem. Second day, I'm okay, I'm feeling some hunger pains, but hey, I got my juice. Third day, by the end of the third day, I, I went crazy. Why am I doing this? Like, who would do this? What, what am I thinking here? You know, I hit this wall. It's like, what, what, what? I'm, I'm out of my mind. And it happened to my friend who did it and another friend that did it. Something about that third day where we hit that wall and we began to ask ourselves, what? What do, why, am I, why am I doing this, really? What's going on? You know, some of you may have felt that way this year about life e even. You know, it's like, what, what is this Christian thing all about? You know, what is this relationship with God all about? Uh, why do I believe what I believe again? What, what is this? You, you may have had a tough time obeying God because of, you know, you've seen how you've fallen into some besetting sin, be it sexual purity or, or some other type of addiction. You know, in, in a trying moment, you probably chose to flee the pleasures of the world over against your father's will. 
not being necessarily tripped up into sin or mistakenly sinned against him, but headlong into it, intentional, being intentional about it, knowing that it's not what your father would have for you. It reminds me of my kids. They look me square in the face after I have given them the command, do not eat the last cookie. That's for your mom. They eat the last cookie, of course. You know, knowing the, the command, knowing that I don't want them to miss out on this delicious dinner that she has prepared that's about to come. Because you know what they do. They get filled with all kinds of other things. They won't eat the main course. God wants us to eat the main course. He wants us to take him in fully so that we are satisfied and set apart in him so that we can know ourselves better, that we belong to a good father. He gives good gifts so that when the times of trial come, we will know that and stand on that. We will know our deliverer in that time. That we will be no question, not a shadow of a doubt, who we are trusting in to bring us through. And who is able to continue to be good. And, I, you know, we all struggle with some kind of thing like that, that takes us by a loop. And it's hard to come out of it. You know, something like depression. We don't know why we're in it. It, it sucks. We want to believe more. We want to come out of it. But it just sort of stays on us, doesn't it? But when we come out of it, it's like the skies part and the light shines through. And then we can give the testimony like, God, you have kept me through this dark night of the soul. You have brought me through it, and only you have made me holy. So we have to have this resolve. I will live in hope. And this resolve, I will live in holiness. And this one, I will live in holy fear unto my Father. Verse 17. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially, according to each one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. We call on him as father. A father that, that does not have a favorite child. He does not show favoritism whenever I go off the beaten path. I will suffer the consequences of disobe disobeying him. I will be disciplined by my father. And it is a discipline of love. Not of hate, but of love. Because he knows how he is growing us up into a salvation. He knows how he is growing us up into glory. To be set apart in him. And not in my way of doing things. I want to think that I'm smart and capable and able. Yes, those things are there. But... My father has something more. He has something more for you as well to grow up in. And so we don't need to test him by going off the beaten path of his will. When we know what his commands say, we don't have to disobey him in that way. But to stay in his will, to trust him with all our might, to fear our father, fear that Hey, really, he is not going to show you any favoritism. You may think that you're the favorite child of your earthly father, but it's not going to be the same because you know how you can manipulate your earthly father to get what you want, you know. 
uh, around my house, uh, Pearl is known as Daddy Little's girl. She knows how to bend Daddy's heart to get what she wants, right? And so, yeah, you know, at times I, I show a little favoritism towards her when it's time to correct her. That's not good for her. God doesn't do us that way. Instead, we reap what we sow. We have to face those consequences, don't we? But his love never fails us. And we know his love because he has disciplined us. And that's how it is in this world, you know, when it's upside down. Because this world is not our home, but we do have a home in his spirit. You know, when I was growing up, I, I was just notorious for doing something mischievous. Maybe you were too. But one day I thought it was a great idea to start a fire right next to my grandfather's house. And my grandmother said, hey, put that fire out, boy. Don't do that. And, you know, I was like laughing. Oh, Grandma, you know, she's easy. And so I continued to do it. So when my grandfather came home, this is what happened. I ran away. I ran down the dirt road near his house. And my cousins came out to visit me. You know, I was like, you guys, what, what are you doing out here? And I'm running away from them. I'm trying to avoid the discipline that he's going to give me. And they grabbed both of my arms, one, one on the right and one on the left. And they just drugged me into him. Don't you know he clasped my, my, um, my arm and he, he got the switch and he began to discipline me, teaching me that, hey, you need to obey. Now, that's one way of discipline. You know, I, I wouldn't advise that every time. But that's how he did it. And, you know, through that, somehow I knew he loved me because he didn't let me get away with being mischievous and, and, and burning the house down, right? He loved me. It was for my good. I, I believe that. And so it is for our good when God stops us, you know. The, you know, the promotion that you wanted at work with somebody that beat you out, it's like God is saying, no, that, that's not for you right now, you know. Or whatever it is that you have set your desires on, you thought it would be good for you, and God said, no, not right now. That's not for you right now. Good thing, right thing, wrong timing, not my will. So we have to let it go and trust in our, in our Father in that way. So we, we have a Father that does grab hold of us. He wakes us up. He grows us up, you know, because he, he teaches us how to respect and fear him, how to be in awe of him. But he teaches us that he cares, that he really do tend to our needs and our problems. And he, he demonstrates this. We know he demonstrated this through Christ. He was, he was willing to crush his own son for our sake so that we can have a relationship with him. When Jesus was here, he put everything that he had in the Father. He hoped in the Father's will. Jesus sanctified himself through the word, knowing that it's the Father's word, love and care, grace upon grace to him. And Jesus revered his Father. He feared him. He obeyed him. When it came time to face the cross, Jesus, though in anguish, he faced it because it was the Father's will for him. And there are some things that, that are hard for us, that have been hard for us to do in 2016. There are some things that will be hard for us to do. But will we entrust ourselves to our Father's care for us and have this re resolve? I will live in holy fear unto my Father. 
you know, Jonathan Edwards was a, a, a theologian and, and a pastor in the 18th century. And right now, his writings are celebrated uh, among, you know, Christendom today. And Jonathan Edwards wrote 70 resolutions. He said this, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him to, by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. He remembered these resolutions once a week. I, I'll just read off a couple. Re resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. Resolved never to do anything out of revenge. Resolved never to speak evil of anyone so that it shall tend to his dishonor, more or less upon no account except for some real good. And there were 70 of these. What will be our resolve today? Peter has given us re resolutions here that we must remember and that we must keep because our Father is growing us up in him into the salvation that he has for us. This is our future hope that he has for us. He's, he's calling us to remember that he has set us apart. We are his children. So in all of our conduct, we are to be holy like him. He's calling us to himself to look him square in the face and to see that he has fatherly care of, of, of us. And so we ought to fear him. So let us be reminded in 2017, no matter what you face and no matter the difficulty of the situation, your heavenly father longs to give you the kingdom, longs to give you hope over powerlessness. He secures our holiness that we are kept to the day of Christ Jesus. He enables holy fear and reverence to reign in our hearts that we may live in light of his saving grace. He's worthy of all our praise and all of our trust. Let's put everything into him. All that he's given us, let's reflect that back to him that he may get the glory and that we may be glorified in Christ as a result. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. You are humble in heart and you are beautiful. You are more precious than all gifts. You are the gifts that we may have holiness and grace and goodness and security. Lord, you have kept us and you promised to keep us. Remind us of this day by day. May we trust in you. Amen. You may stand and let's sing this next song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Hey. 
Summer and winter and springtime. 